and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she and they pronouns. You can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. Hi, I'm Emily. You can find me on TikTok at StardustM and on Twitter at underscore StardustM. And I am breaking the cycle by not being a RuPaul's pod race host. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bo, we are glad to have you on. You are um, a fellow Star Wars TikTok micro-influencer, so... We loved it. We're creating an army here, I guess. Um, but yeah, today we're here to, I think people have probably figured it out by yeah. now with you on the podcast. <laughs> we're here to talk about Jenner. So um, we'll probably try to start in chronological order. It's not going to work. Uh, but, you know, we're going to get we're going to get through it and we're going to have some really good conversation. It's going to be a lot of fun. I guess her first I do think that we learned about her birth, but since I have not read Catalyst, I cannot speak to that. Uh, so I guess her first final appearance is watching her mother die, which is very fun. Um, that's a really good intro to Rogue One, um, but it is very devastating. And I feel like it said, immediately sets Jenner so up to be like, here's this just absolutely tragic character. She is, this is, she's eight and she will continue to go through it for the rest of her life. I, I love I love that scene with um, her and her mom when she gives her the Kyber Christian necklace. That's one of my favorite Jin or so pieces. Um, and the fact that that's like the one thing in her life that she ever gets to keep and is like hers. Um, and then the her meeting Sagarera, which like the uh, come child, we have a long ride ahead of us makes me sob um especially knowing everything that happens in rebel rise <laughs> yeah um i think like the whole opening to rogue one is so good which is obviously very important for that movie because it's characters that we've never seen before so you have to like rope people in or else they're gonna be like why should i care about these people but like right off the bat you're like okay i care about Jin. like she's just an innocent child having to watch her mother be killed and her father be taken and then she's being taken in by Saul Guerrero, who like by that point has, I think at that point he'd only been in the Clone Wars and I guess Rebels. I don't know. I can't yeah. keep track of when things happen. Um, yeah, and so like there's Rebels appearance. Okay, yeah. And then there's the weird, very drastic change in his appearance between yeah. <laughs> the two, like that are like, it's like two years apart. And then there's obviously a time jump in Rogue One where we don't see her for a while. And she just like, she like you said like she really is just going through it from a very young age and like the and like even like I'm like like actively reading Catalyst right now so I'm only like a third of the way through but she's born in like a separatist like prison essentially like her parents have been taken by the separatists and she's just born there and I'm like right from the bat like she just cannot catch a break um and I think like all the things that like the like um mentor figures in her life and like parental figures have been through and like we got some good development of that like in Catalyst for Lyra and Galen or so and Rebel Rising gives us more of like her relationship with Saw but like 
the differences in the people that are have raised her and like have helped raise her and influenced her life at an early age are like the reason why she is such an interesting character when we see her as an adult in Rogue One because there's like a lot of interesting nuance in the way that she looks at the world and views like the rebellion and the empire and it's not just like a lot of characters we see where they're like okay my goal is to fight the empire point blank period like her role is a lot more complicated than that and it's because of the environments that she grew up in yeah and like the I I love her and Saul's relationship it is it's it's very special to me and I feel like it's such a unique perspective on found family in Star Wars because I think Star Wars often has this like vibe where they're like here's this soldier and they're gonna get a child and then they're gonna be this amazing father figure I think we see it with like Kanan and uh the Bad Batch and all like these different ones um but Saw is not a good father he he didn't want to be a father he's clearly not set up to be a father but then he is kind of has to just take on this eight-year-old child so he just does what he does with anybody else in his life which is immediately start training her to be a soldier and that's the thing is like I think in a lot of cases the when we have these soldier father figures they end up becoming father figures or mentor figures first Saw never loses the he is a soldier first and that's like why of course like down the road he ends up abandoning her because he has to put his cause first and yes he loves her but she is one person versus like his whole mission to take down the empire um and it's I mean it's really sad but like I I I just think that's so important and I also think that like it is still important to understand that like Saw did really care for Jin and once again skipping ahead not in chronological but like uh, in the Rogue One novelization we have this moment where like he's basically like oh like she's the last family I have and I don't want her to die because I've, I've lost everyone else but like I don't want her to die here on Jeddah. Uh, I want her to be able to live and and you know do for the cause but also do it because I, I love her. Yeah I yeah. think that like I won't talk about Saw too much, obviously, because this mm-hmm. episode isn't about him, but, like, it is very important to who Jin is a person, because she was raised by Saw starting at the age of eight, um, and, like, Saw is a very interesting character in his own right, and, like, the thing I think that is interesting about him is, like, you were saying, like, he's not a perfect father to her, and, like, he does prioritize, like, the rebellion and being a soldier, because, like, that is what he has known, and I think that that's the reason he's so interesting is because he is, a flawed person in a way that makes sense based on what his backstory is like we so we see in the Clone Wars he loses his sister in a very tragic way and from that point forward like specifically there's this one conversation in Rebel Rising that I really thought was very interesting where like I think Jin is like 14 at the time and he's basically telling her like about what happened to Stila and he's like in order for people to care about the rebellion, they have to have a martyr who's someone that they care about who they have lost. And it's like, part of me is like, oh my God, you're saying this to a 14 year old, but then you think about it and it's like, okay, because his motivation for fighting the separatists in the empire from that point forward became steel as death. Like that is why he is so driven. So his outlook is like, everyone in this fight needs to experience something like that or they will never be as committed to the cause as I am. And then you think about like Jin hearing that at a very young and like impressionable age. And then you see where she is later on in Rogue One. And you're like, 
this makes so much sense because like things like this are what she was being taught by him and she was being taught to be a soldier and like had been training to fight from a very young age and so by the time we see her in Rogue One she's very much like a fighter and a survivor and like she has to prioritize her own survival over like the greater issues in the galaxy and then over the course of the film we see her sort of start to realize like why it's so important for her to like actually help the rebels as opposed to just kind of doing it like she actually gets very invested in the cause and like taking down the empire yeah and also like that's just such a perfect mirror of saying that the rebellion needs a martyr and that's exactly what Jin and the rogue one crew became were martyrs and like i think there's like a comic panel where like leia ends up like looking at the stars and like thanking Jin and I believe in Alphabet Squadrons too there's a uh, characters who really look up to Jin or so and it's like yeah that conversation is so reflective of like what she ends up being for the rebellion um yeah I love that particular scene in Rebel Rising so much and I feel like it's perfect I mean it's also perfect for applying to like all of the rebellion because it talks about too like they need like these like idealistic like leaders and people who hope and you can see that in, like people like Hera and Mon Mothma and then these martyrs like Kanan and the Rogue One crew um and yeah that's that's such I love Rebel Rising and I feel like not enough people read it and I do understand that it is a young adult Star Wars book that came out in 2017 that you can like barely find in stores anymore but it's so good and everyone should read it especially because I get comments sometimes being like well like I just felt like you know I wish I'd seen more of her character I'm like you can <laughs> there's a whole book that is like goes over her entire life read it I promise you won't be disappointed yeah I do think um uh that Jin's relationship to the rebellion and like as in like how the rebellion sees her is very interesting because she you know, starts out at the beginning of Rogue One. She she's not like thinking of herself as a martyr. She doesn't think she's ever going to be one. Um, and then throughout the movie, you can see like she's kind of changing. She's kind of like understanding um, why the you know rebellion is actually kind of important. Why taking sides is kind of important. Um, which is funny, you know, because you, our past two Girl Boss of the Week episodes have been on women who are are not good people. Um, they're, they're, some would say that they are villains. Um, I don't. However, <laughs> um, Jin Erso is very different. Yes, she is a girl boss. Absolutely. Um, however, she's not a, a completely like murderous one. Uh, and but and she's like a hero she she's absolutely a hero to a lot of people um and I love that in like the Star Wars canon you can see the repercussions of not only her actions but just of like what she stood for um and that's just something so special to see especially being like oh yeah love this girl boss woman and everyone loves her everyone looks up to her and she didn't even know that she was ever going to be someone like that well, I think it's, like, so important to understand, like, Jin isn't, like, in not involved in the railing because, like, she doesn't think they make a difference. It's because her making a stance and saying, I'm not going to be involved in this conflict is the first true decision that she ever got to make in her life. 
Like she, everything was made for her. Everything she was kind of forced into. She didn't choose to join the partisan. She didn't choose to leave the partisan. She didn't choose to have her father be a person building this super weapon for the empire. So that decision when she makes, when she's, and it's also, I think, very important to remember, Jyn Erso is 21 in Rogue One. Uh, when she decides not to like be involved in the rebellion, she's like 17. Um, so like, she's like a very like young, broken girl um, who, yeah, it's like, she's like, this is the one decision I've ever gotten to make for myself. And that's why she sticks by it for so long. And also, you know, because like, as she says, like, all this has brought me is pain, you know, Saul left her for the cause, uh, the, a conflict between the rebellion and the empire ended up killing her first boyfriend and another person that she considered like a parental figure. Like, it's not, it's not something that she is wanting to join, even if she does agree with their uh, mission. And I love also how Jyn Erso gets to be like an angry woman. I guess we do have uh, Leia, but like, I it's such a core like part of her character to the point where like in the Rogue One novelization, Cassian says she might be biologically Galen, but like the cold rage that she has is all saw. Like it's like such a core part of like who she is. And I, I appreciate seeing that. I appreciate just getting to see a, a woman who just gets to be angry at everything that's happened to her and upset at the world. And she is a little bit using that as a, def uh, a defense mechanism because she just doesn't want to process anything really that happened with Saw or like her parents. But it's it's refreshing to see that, especially I think, not to say Jin isn't kind or or like, hopeful but like in a story where like a lot of the women had been like sweet and like kind and nice and I love those characters but it is nice to see her be a little bit more rough around the edges yeah I think all of that just accompanied by the fact that like the reason why her character and like why the story of Rogue One at least to me is so interesting is because like a, a lot of Star like obviously a lot of Star Wars focuses on the Jedi like as it should that's that's where it started but it is nice to see a story where it's like okay the main character is not a Jedi she's just a person who a lot of bad things have happened to like at a very young age and now she's like just kind of getting thrust back into the middle of this galactic conflict and she's like I don't want any part of this because I have seen what the Empire can do like to me personally and to like my family and people that I love and like I like I literally just like can't do that anymore um and then she ends up getting she plays such a pivotal role in the rebellion which again like you were saying Sage is like something that she never saw herself doing and like a lot of my favorite stories in Star Wars in general are people that are just like normal people they're not Jedi they're not like political leaders or anything like that they're simply just people who are just trying to live their lives and cannot because of the empire or whatever like the ruling forces at the time and it gets like like to a point where she literally like ends up not having a choice almost in the end like she has to face the empire and like she had like she obviously chooses to like help the rebellion especially as the movie goes on but it is truly to a point of like the empire is always going to be there like around every corner and like she knows by now that like 
nothing and no one is safe from the empire like she has experienced it firsthand and so it eventually comes to a point where she is like you know what fighting like helping the rebellion is how I am now going to choose to make a difference and then obviously based on the events of the movie that she she personally is like very important to everything that happens after that and is like a large part of why the rebellion is in the end successful in like taking not just taking down the Death Star but just like taking down the Empire as a whole is because of what she did and what she sacrificed. You know as much as I love to imagine Jen Erso with lightsaber because very powerful um she could have killed Darth Vader with or without a lightsaber and I believe that firmly and no one told me any different because she literally had to be killed but by you're the so Star. right you're pretty so OP. Right for that. pretty op that she had to be taken out by a literal super weapon <laughs> well, literally <laughs> um but like so when people say like people are like oh like do you think Jin is force sensitive i'm like no don't no she's not like and i love that she's not i love that she doesn't have any of that and she is just a regular person who ends up accomplishing all of this um I mean, with the help of, like, other people as well, but, like, that's what, I, I don't know, to me, she, that is part of what makes her so special, is her not having the force and doing all this without that. Do we want to get into any specific relationship? <laughs> I was like, so, Jim and Cassie, <laughs> so here's my eight, my 10-page essay on why Jin and Cassian are the best characters in Star Wars, and why they were... Good not in love but I love the parallels that the story draws between Jin and Cassian because um I'm assuming and I really hope that Andor continues to like pull on that and like in my kind of ideal world uh it would mirror a lot of what happens in Rebel Rising um but you know you have these two people where like for Jin losing you know constantly losing people and being hurt has pushed her away from the cause. Whereas for Cassian, it seems to just push him further in because you know we've all lost people. Some of us just decided to do something about it. Um, and I and I love that th- that parallel is drawn. And I really also love how like throughout the film you can very clearly see how they're influencing each other. How you know Jin starts to believe in hope again in the way that Cassian believes in hope, and Cassian realizes that just because you're being told to do something doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. Um, and I love that. And I know that there's like some uh, debates on like whether or not they are wrong or could be interpreted as romantic. Um, I, I mean, I like them as romantic pairing clearly. Um, and I think that some people try to, you know, play the card like, oh, well, it's like, she's a strong female and she doesn't need the romance, but like, for me, part of the appeal of them being seen as romantic is it is Jin healing from losing um, Hater, who was her boyfriend and like her first love. It's like in the same way that she cut off for like five years, cut off connection with anyone because she had just been abandoned or lost so many people that she can start. Uh, and then she starts to open herself back up to those relationships and like Chirrut and Baze and Bodhi. She can start to open up the possibility of having romantic feelings for someone again like Cassian and I feel like that actually kind of adds to her character as well as I think that uh the idea that to be a strong female character you can't have a romantic relationship is just ridiculous (laughs) and usually gets seemingly pushed by like uh I don't know like men sometimes will do it I'm like well you don't that's like your perception but like 
independence has nothing to do with romance like she can still be and like it doesn't detract from anything in my opinion if you view their relationship as non-platonic because she still does all that shit and she's still a badass so it doesn't really matter what her feelings are for Cassian I that's I I love the ending of Rogue One and I appreciate it but damn if I don't consume a a large amount of post Scarif AU Jin and Cassian fix fix it fanfics they're the backbone of our society um no yeah I, I really like the point that she brought up there that um you know just because a character is a strong independent woman means somehow that they can't have romantic relationships as if there are strong independent women in this world who have romantic feelings for people I don't know um that is always an interesting take that people um will push on to characters like Jin um but yeah I think that you know we we always talk about found family we all um it's an essential part of Star Wars uh and I do love Jin becoming more open to letting people in throughout the duration of Rogue One you know and I think that is a testament to you know you can be this badass woman and also you know have feelings it's she's not some emotionless like droid <laughs> she's not at all um and I think that's a that a lot is um a lot of people will talk about that and say like oh well she's not I've definitely seen people say she's not the greatest representation because she is emotionless and I'm like Ooh, I don't think oh, we we're missing the part where she was sobbing watching her father talk to her we're missing we're missing that part <laughs> yeah I'm like, I, I also feel like that's such a facade that like I understand that Jin is like a more masculine female um character and I think she's probably definitely the most masculine of like the live action um protagonists and like they seem to intentionally do it in, even in like her clothing in the way that like she dresses almost the exact same as Cassie and they have the same outfit it's just a different look which we never see really in the female like each of them each of, not that Jin's look isn't distinct but like each of the female protagonists really have like their own distinct looks from their male counterparts but I feel like people twist that to then be either ignore a lot of I think men when they're like Jin is the right way to do a female character ignore <laughs> a lot of her vulnerability and like a lot of like emotional weight and like the fact that like at the end of the day Jin what Jin or so is is a broken 21 year old girl <laughs> she is she is sad and she is angry and that's really what her core is and and then yeah or people say that she is emotionless because they somehow forget her, her yeah her sobbing when she meets her fathers or like the very like impassioned speeches that she gives to like you know Cassian or um the Rebel Alliance and like I just I I feel like the Star Wars fandom sometimes is not great at character at understanding character arcs when they only happen in one movie like people are like it's underdeveloped I'm like is it underdeveloped or are you just used to stories being told in the trilogy so it's over time because I think Jenner so has a completed arc in Rogue One we see her go from girl who is only looking out for herself and only doing what she needs to survive to literally sacrificing herself for something that is bigger than herself that is a that's a completed character arc and if you pay attention to the details of the film you can see the moments that change her and affect her 
and why she has that progression and and they didn't need three films to do it yeah absolutely that's like the thing with a lot of the rogue one characters is like oh my god they're such great characters and they have such great story arcs and then i'm like like i like like you were saying earlier it's like i love the ending so much but then there's also a part of me that's like but why like why (laughs) why do they have to die i want to see them again this like thing that you're saying where like in star wars we have characters who we see in like two tv shows and like five movies and like a million times and they have these like really long drawn out character arcs which I think is one of the things that like myself and a lot of other people love about Star Wars is that we get to see people at like different stages in their lives but like you're saying it comes to a point where someone's like oh I only saw this character in one movie and like maybe if they've read the books a couple books but like her character arc is very completed and it's just not like super drawn out like we see a lot of the time in Star Wars and the same goes for like the other characters in Rogue One like obviously we're getting Andor so we're gonna get more mm-hmm. of Cassian's backstory but like even Cassian like has a really well developed character arc just in that one movie and that's again like not to get on my like Rogue One soapbox every five seconds but like that is another reason <laughs> why I think Rogue One is so good um is because they were able to do all that in one movie and create these characters that like you care about in one movie like they have all these characters and I'm like I'm so excited to watch a tv show about Cassie and Andor and like read a book about Jyn Erso or Galen mm-hmm. Erso who have were in one movie and died at the end but still did enough for me to care to, and like want to know more about them but it's not because they didn't get enough character in that one movie yeah and it's so unique too because like Rogue One is like when we're seeing these characters like we're literally seeing them in the, the last days of their life it's not we're hopping in to you know Jan and Cassian's like character arcs at the end instead of like someone like and I mean yeah like like Star Wars, Star Wars does that a lot like technically in the OT, we were hopping into Vader's character arc near near the end of it. If Anakin Skywalker's character arc near the end of it, where Obi-Wan is the same way. It's That's the last little bit of his character arc is the days before he dies in A New Hope. Um, and I think that's what, yeah, is like cool about Rogue One though, is like you get to see that. And I feel like the characters still feel very like, they're new, but they feel like, like lived in like you you can look at Jenner's and and Cassian and be like oh yeah they've lived a life like they've done a lot of things they don't feel like they're like just popping up I guess in the same way that like a Luke Skywalker maybe feels very like fresh and like doesn't know the the galaxy and what's really happening I agree totally um I think that we have oh so many characters like that who you're like oh, this person knows absolutely nothing about the universe that they're living in. However, um, when we meet Jen and she's like, you, you like you said, you can tell that she's lived a life. Um, but it is so sad. And I think that it is like why Rogue One is such an impactful movie is because yes, this is the last like days of their lives. And we haven't seen like, like when you're watching the movie, if you haven't read any material, you haven't seen like what happened before this. You don't know what they did with their lives, but the amount that we do see, the few hours of the lives that we do see, you know, they do so much and they have created such an impact, especially Jen and you, we were talking about this before, like her lasting impact um, on the rebellion, of course, and on the galaxy as a whole. But I think that Rogue One is such a special movie 
because of this um, reoccurring theme in Star Wars about hope and about, you know, rebellions are built on hope and that line is so striking um, both times it's said. And I think that, you know, Jin is, was such a great character to relay that message because, you know, it definitely brings you back kind of to the original trilogy and how, you know, the whole of Star Wars is like, oh, we, we, there's horrible things that are happening, but we still have hope. Um, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. So I'm not gonna get super into it, but like, I do think that that moment for Jin, it resonates so much with the audience compared to literally when anyone else says it. I'm like, no, if I'm thinking about a speech in, in the rebellion era, I'm thinking about Jin or so. And I think also it's so impactful that it's like this idea that too, like Jin and Cassian were so young, Jin's 21, Cassian's 26, even Bodhi's only 25. This idea that like what is so tragic is they could have done so much more that like they really were so far in. They're not that much older than Luke or um, or Leia. They're not that much older than Ezra or Sabine. Um, and, you know, the one part that always gets me in the Rogue One novelization is where like Mon Mothma said, like, I think she could have been a really excellent leader. And <laughs> that just like fucking like kicks you right in like the gut of like, yeah, she she would have been because she had the passion and also like everything that her parents taught her. I think when we're talking about earlier about like, you know, how you see Jin's parents in so much of what she does, like that last moment on Scarif is truly a reflection of everything that her parents taught her. She's completing Galen's revenge. She is standing up to Krennic in the same way that Lyra did. And she is leading these rebels in the way that Saw taught her. And um, and I think in a lot of ways, she embodies like the best parts of her parents. And I think the best parts of especially Saw Guerrera, like that passion for the mission, her her caring so deeply um, and, and using the, the anger that she has for something more beneficial. And that's, yeah, I think that's so beautiful. And I, yeah, like as much as once again, love the ending of Rogue One, but to, to see what Jyn Erso could have done for the rebellion if she had lived um, would have, I think, been really special. Yeah, I completely agree. Another thing that I think is um, very interesting, and again, it's one of those things where it's like, we see similar things in Star Wars a lot, but I think it was just done well here, is that Star Wars, and just like fictional stories in general, love to have like a like parent or parents die, or like absent parents, or just like not good parents, because it is like a good like story driving force. Um, in the case of Jin, it's like, her mother is killed and like her father is not there and even saw who like takes on the role of her father is like we talked about before not the greatest at that but it's not just like the same story over and over again where it's like oh both her parents just like died and now she's on her own or like she just had bad parents like it's more interesting than that and like both Lyra and Galen and obviously saw too are like very interesting characters in their own right and so it's not just like oh like she's like this because she had to kind of grow up on her own or like because mm -hmm. she was raised by someone who wasn't the best at it but it's like she's like this because of these very specific like flaws and like intricacies of the characters of the people who raised her and like 
it's not that like surface level thing of like having bad parents and this isn't even me being like oh my god Lyra and Galen were terrible parents because they're obviously not but it is the fact that like you can see like you were saying like parts of each of those people that have raised her along the way in her character and like you said as well like she does exemplify sort of like the best of each of them and like particularly I'm thinking of Galen right now because I think that he's so interesting and like the scene where she watches his message like I will never not cry um and just like he's a very interesting character even just in Rogue One which he's like not Mm -hmm. in that much but like is still interesting like again this is one of the things that they did really well in that movie is they had a short amount of time to tell a lot of different stories and characters that we've never seen before and so even ones that are relatively minor roles like and don't have as much screen time are still very developed and just like reading Catalyst like Galen has such an interesting backstory of like how he got involved in everything anyway and like you can see that he has like like he has taught Jin these things even though she was very young when he was taken like he still raised her for eight years and like there's a lot more that went on when she was younger but that's a whole different Catalyst rant um (laughs) but um it's just like you can see it there and it's like not necessarily something that you would think of so much if you're just like oh I'm just sitting down and watching this movie once but like if you've watched it multiple times and like read other content of this era and these characters like you can really start to pinpoint like this is something that she learned from Galen or like this is something that came as a result of her time with Saw and I think that all just like is a testament to the writing of these individual characters and just like the overarching story of Rogue One and how it ties into like the ongoing narrative and themes of Star Wars as a whole franchise. And I think it's interesting too when like we see um, Jin interacting with Saw and Galen in this how like she almost falls back into like the last version that they knew of her that like with Saw and she talks I'm gonna mention the Rogue One novelization so much and I'm sorry but (laughs) I'm obsessed with that. in her interaction with Saw, basically, her whole idea going in is she was like, I'm going to use this and be the be the soldier that he wanted me to be, this, like, cold, ruthless person. But we see throughout the interaction that the, her emotions just end up getting the best of her. And, like, this, not, like, icy anger, but, like, the, I don't know, like, the, but this, like, very, like, I deeply care. It's, I'm not upset. I'm not over what you did to me. And then, like, with Galen, she almost returns back to, like, this child of, like, Papa, and, like, she's so gentle with him, despite also having a lot of anger towards him, um, I think also because, like, pretty sure in Rebel Rising, we learned that, like, Saul was kind of, like, yeah, he kind of just, like, abandoned you, like, he probably could have come back for you, or, like, sent the Empire after you, but, like, he didn't, and why do you think that is? It's because he doesn't care about you, um, which, not true, but I, like, you know, it's not, though, but and it's not I don't think hard for Saw to assume that like probably yeah he's not really looking for the best for someone who's working for the Empire but yeah I just oh god those both those scenes like kill me especially when like you once again in the Rogue One novelization you learn that like she's basically been boxing that up for years and like in that interaction with Saw she describes it as like somebody like or like um like coming through the hatch and I like, I also really like that um, metaphor is like kind of for her life because like Saw found her in the hatch. 
and that was the last time she saw her father was when she was in that like bunker and now that's where she like keeps them is like so she doesn't have to process that and she doesn't have to basically be Jin or so like she doesn't want to be Jin or so she wants to be Liana Halleck or uh like uh whatever Jin Dawn or <laughs> so whatever else uh, alias she's using like she literally says in the Rogue One novelization once again sorry I'm sorry uh that <laughs> Uh, like she, them calling her Jenner, so is the first time that she had heard that name in years. That was the first time that she had heard someone use her real name. And like, I also think that's very powerful. And like, Jen thought she was going to die alone and she thought she was going to die not by her real name. And if there's one thing that she was given, she didn't have to die alone and she got to die being Jenner, so. And I think that is very beautiful. Yeah, I think that's another reason why I love her and Cassian's relationship so much. Again, like whether you view it as either platonic or romantic, it still works because it's like he he knows who she is from the first moment that they meet, like and he sees her for who she actually is throughout the entirety of the time that they know each other and like he gets to know her in a way that like very few if any other people do. Um and so I think that's why it's so powerful that like they get they literally get to die together and like just she gets to like have this sort of like relief almost at the fact that like she can finally just like be like she can be like you were saying be Jin or so and not have to like live under some alias with him or like pretend that she's someone that she isn't he knows who she is and like still cares about her like I don't know I just love them that's it yeah no and like I think that's so and once I'm sorry in the novelization Jin points out that what is so impactful about not only Cassian but also Cheer Days and Bodhi not leaving her is because they have seen her at her lowest point they have seen her at her worst and they're choosing to stand by her and that's not something that she that can be said for other people in her life so the fact that like they've seen everything of her and they're still choosing to stand by her and they're still choosing to follow her is means so much to her and like I also think like you know you bring up like um her maybe some of her other relationship like that's why I love like her and Baze so much because I think it's really interesting how the story kind of draws parallels between them and like they are both they've they've both the empire has stolen everything from them we know that Baze was once the most of one of the most devoted guardians but the empire has taken that from him it took his home his and it ends up taking his only friend the only person he has left in the same way that it has also taken everything from Jin and in and now without their faith and their hope and their purpose they're just left with like this anger and this bitterness and this want not to be involved and just to like ignore everything and I think Baze sees a lot of himself in Jin and that's why he's so inclined to trust her and why he's so inclined to follow her because he knows that like he sees himself and I, he also thinks I think if she can find her purpose again then I can too and I really I really love that because I also think that um then if you look on the flip side like Chirrut is supposed to be more of like the Cassian figure um because they both have still their like deep hope and faith in whatever they believe in and also like cheered and Baze's relationship is a perfect example of what it means to have complete trust and that's Jim and Cassian's whole thing throughout the film is learning to trust each other and learning to 
have each other's back in the same way that we see cheered and phase do constantly like no matter where one goes the other follows um claire claire specific bingo card where i talk about the lardy sisters but the idea of like Jin and kaden and miara like all being in the rebellion together like au where she lives i i'm 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 telling i mean look i'm not the hugest fan of like let's put everyone but if we put kaden and uh, what's her sister's name again miara miara in andor kind of makes sense kind of makes this is, sense this is what i am saying this is what i'm saying you'll be i go on a like hour-long rant about how i can insert kaden lardy into every upcoming live action star wars project um but no like i don't know i'm thinking about the um I can't believe I'm about to talk about this. The from a certain point of view story with Miara Lardy in it, where she is at the um, don't shake your head at me, <laughs> where she's at the um oh my god I'm like oh the medal ceremony um where like Luke and Han get their medals um and she yeah and she's taught and she's like oh my god like all like because all they're on like became her home after like Raeda got taken by the Empire um and she is like looking at Leia and being like she is the moment I'm just saying Miara Lardy you like rest in peace Jin Urso Miara Lardy would have loved you so much like the idea of Miara Lardy like like learning about what Jin Urso did is sending me to a place it's so valid I think I think Alphabet Scrodge wins like literally one of them just like is straight up a Jin Urso state I'm like me if I was in the Star Wars universe honestly (laughs) Jenner, so Leia Organa also a Jenner, so Stan. Once again, so true of her. Would have loved to see you interact. I feel like immediately, and I do know this is a ship, immediately I feel like Jin and uh, Leia would have had crushes on each other. You're so right for that. You are so like, <laughs> right for that. You know, okay, where's my fan fiction? Like, <laughs> like I love me some, love me some Hanalea, love me some Jin and Cassian, but so true and but it's a better reason. when it's sapphic i mean <laughs> so i was like there's a reason why i have been making that gin parson you and i specifically chose leia as the first that she was interacting with and not cassie despite like you would also be in the rebellion at that time so leia true. and Jin would have just been too powerful if they had gotten to like work together like they would have been unstoppable Darth Vader, I, who, I truly Vader believe were... they had <laughs> they to go Jin because Jin, leia Hera, and sabine being in the rebellion at the same time like it would have been over it's unrealistic that the empire would have continued to stay in power had they all worked together like Like, i wouldn't have believed it luke skywalker is still on tatooine wishing that he can go get some power converters because Jyn erso is is alive and (laughs) her and sabine are like taking down darth vader obi-wan shows up with luke and is like hey here's this little guy like to help you and they're like we don't need him We've actually like, oh, got Vader's it all taken dead. care of. Vader's <laughs> dead. Tarkin dead. Palpatine dead. Everyone's dead. The Death Star, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. We didn't even have to blow it up. We just decommissioned it. Mm-hmm. It's just like chilling. We're going to put all the Kyber crystals back <laughs> nicely. Restore almost that planet Illum. Project of Illum. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, our killer dude. base would never happen. We just fixed the entire Star Wars timeline by <laughs> keeping Jenner so alive. Anyways, we just got so <laughs> off topic. So we can bring it back to how I will defend, once again, defend to the death when people say that Jenner so it's like boring or whatever. I'm like, once again, just because you, I, I, and I, I feel like part of it is because I'm not going to say men, 
but some people in this fandom cannot comprehend a character arc when the character does not have like a physical struggle like they just cannot feel that's me but like cannot really fully comprehend like the uh, like an emotional arc which is like I think a really big thing that happens with Ray is like people like she never struggled it's like yeah but except she did really struggle like internally and like that's just as valid as like struggling to like learn to use a lightsaber or learn to use a force or like what Luke was doing like learning to lift the x-wing like that's just as valid and like Jin or so because like really if you think about like she doesn't really learn any new like skills like sure and a lot of what we're told about her skills are also just told to us like it's not like we don't see her train or whatever and it's like and it's also what I love so much about her characters like because like her arc is so internal and emotional and about just like self-growth and like learning and and changing and reflecting and confronting her past and trying to figure out like what her future may be even if she doesn't end up having one which is once again devastating I love this point that you make of like people not being able to like grasp a character's arc if there's not like a physical struggle because I think you're so right about that and it's something that I like haven't thought that much about like this is also just like a personal thing for me but just like in general I'm like emotional struggles especially in a fantasy universe are more relatable as a viewer because I'm like okay I've never had to like pull an x-wing out of the water using the force and like it's obviously part of something bigger than that that he's like trying to learn how to like who he is as a Jedi because it's something that he's never explored before but it also is just like when the character is like like struggles are on this more internal level it's something that you can be like okay maybe this is not like an exact situation I've been in but like the emotions and feelings and like overall like mental struggles that characters are going through can be very relatable to an audience in a way that like using the force or like training to become a Jedi isn't always which is another reason why I love that like some Star Wars stories now are starting to kind of like not feel obligated to have a Jedi be like the focal point or even like have Jedi in them um Mm -hmm. because it gives you characters that are just like relatable in a way that like Jedi can be relatable but there's always sort of this disconnect where it's like okay but they're also a Jedi and they have like superpowers and they are a part of this big Jedi order and like characters like Jin Erso are just people and I'm like yeah that's more relatable to me than a Jedi learning to use the force and that's why it's like frustrating when people are like oh they're boring blah 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 because they like don't use the force because they're not Jedi or Sith Lords and I'm like but they're more like authentic characters sometimes when they don't have those extra abilities that like force sensitive people have because like I said like they're just people and you can see yourself in that in a way that you can't a lot of the time yeah and like I think like Jin Erso's story is like so special to me too because like I feel like this struggle of trying to find your purpose and trying to find you know this hope and faith that you lost is so relatable and and, and it's inspiring too when she's in, able to find it again and she's able to you know find what she needs to do and what she kind of has been hiding from really her whole life because like if you you know once going to go back to like Saw trained her to be the rebel that she was on Scarif. That was what kind of she was building to, but she, you know, denied that. Um, I think maybe in part because like that wasn't necessarily her decision in the first place. But like I think that is so unique, and I also think that like Jin is so flawed in like a very human way because like 
you do understand why she doesn't want to be involved. You do understand like, because you can understand making the the selfish decision because to stay out of something because it's hurt you. The one like line in Rogue One that I always think of, and it might be my favorite line in the whole movie is when um, she is reunited with Saw, which I think we were talking about a little earlier. It's such a good scene. Um, and one of the times that we really do see like who she is on a more emotional level and not just like this sort of like wall that she's built up because of things that have happened to her. But it's when Saw is like, you could live seeing like the Imperial flag reigning in the galaxy. And she says, it's not a problem if you don't look up, which I think in the context of her character is such an interesting line because you know, it's not like her being like, I don't care. Like the empire can be in charge, whatever. But it's more so that she has seen firsthand what the empire is capable of. And she has come to a point where she realizes like she, the only way for her to like survive and to stop losing people like she's lost so many people directly because of the empire's actions is to like keep her head down and like not let herself get attached to people and not let herself like join up in these causes that have brought her so much pain and so that line I just think is so like and it also like coming back to it once you have watched the full movie and you know like how her story ends again just goes to show like what a complete like character arc and like how much development she has just over the course of this one movie because she's at a point where she's like yeah the empire is bad and like no one knows that more than me but like what am I gonna do about it and like in a way that won't end with me being hurt and then she across the movie and throughout her interactions with like Cassian and the other characters realizes that like she actually can make a difference and she does it like to honor her father especially after he dies but also just because like kind of overcoming this fear of getting involved that she has. And I think too, like not to talk about Andor, but I think that would be really impactful to, and to kind of deepen this foil that they establish in Rogue One is by showing like, you know, if Cassian loses a mentor figure or if he loses a close friend or a romantic partner, but instead of that pushing him away from the rebellion in the way that that did for Jin is like, you know, her mentor figure leaves her. so she's not in the rebellion if like Cassian's mentor figure leaves or or betrays him that like that pushes him more into the cause and it makes his beliefs more concrete as it made hers like shakier and I think like also it's like I really love this is kind of a whole nother tangent but I really love looking at what I call like the children of the rebellion which are uh, Leia, Sabine, and Ezra and what makes them different and how their actions are motivated by like the way they were raised and like clearly Ezra and Sabine are a little different because they were both brought into like the rebellion a little later but also like you know Leia and Ezra and Sabine all had a choice to be in the rebellion. Jernisro didn't. Leia and Leia was always treated as a child for or like you know she was always treated as like their child first a person first I think Ezra and Sabine, as much as, like, even though they were a part of, like, a rebel cell with the ghost crew, like, I think that Hera especially, like, used them as, like, children first, and Jin was viewed as a soldier first, and then a child. That's why, like, literally, like, you know, Saul has her for three days, and he's training her, Um, and how when you, when she doesn't get the choice to join, why that would push her away when, you know, Ezra and Sabine and Leia were all given the choice to join. They were, and, and in Leia's case, literally like 
basically she was like forcing her way and being like her parents were trying to keep her away and she's like no I want to do this and like the Jin didn't have that and I think that's what makes her like so unique especially when you're looking compared to like the three of them and the fact that like two like they're all around the same age in like she is like them in the same way where like she's experienced the evils of the empire she has lost family or parents it's just too it's too much for her instead of what I think like Ezra is very motivated by like his parents death to like go in um and I mean we could also like kind of get into but that's like a whole other conversation about like you know clearly like Saw's tactics versus something like the Ghost Crew of Bale where like Saw is more inclined towards violence and that also exposes Jin to a lot of like violence at a young age and she's also like expected to do more dirty work at a young age that like I think Sabine and like Ezra and Leia were and also like I think that's like something that could be drawn on with Cassian even though he I I don't know what exactly they're saying it seems to at least imply that like he joined the rebellion maybe around 21 but we also know that he his parents were separatists and like he like threw rocks and bottles at clone troopers um so like this idea that like also like Cassian and Jin were both having to do harder work dirtier work at a young age and being exposed to that versus you know someone like we don't really go into like I guess Sabine we have like she did build that weapon but like we don't really go into like you know I think in Real Rising they describe like a mission where Jin is sent to like kill someone and we don't really have that for for Sabine or Ezra and Sabine they're not forced into those positions in the way that she was and I also think that that could definitely affect how she views the rebellion no you're totally right though and like it's especially like particularly I'm thinking with like Jin and Leia because they both like grew up surrounded by the rebellion like Jin is growing up under Saw's care and like he's like actively having meetings with like other rebels and like planning things and involving her in those things from the young age at which he finds her and like Leia is in a similar situation in a very different way where like Bale when Leia is a young child, Bale is, like, actively, like, starting the rebellion and, like, recruiting people to his cause and, like, not to bring up the Ahsoka novel, but he, he, like, um, one of the reasons why I love Bale Organa so much is because of that book, because, like, he is, like, still part of the Senate, but he's also trying to start this rebellion from basically nothing. All the while, though, like, every time we get one of his POVs in that book, he's, like, and there's my daughter, Leia, and she's epic, and I love her, and, like, I care about her so much, and also I'm starting a whole rebellion, whereas Saw is, like, this, like, is my daughter, Jin, because he introduces her as his daughter, like, to hide her identity, but also because, mm-hmm. like, he is her father figure at that point. This and, goddamn like, white baby is <laughs> Literally, no, literally <laughs> the scene where, like, where they're, like, respectfully that's not your daughter <laughs> respectfully like, sir where did you get that 11 year old it's also how long so did you really think this is gonna work you know people just like fully kind of accept they're like like I think there's like a report in like the rebel dossier where it's like oh he clearly like favors this 12 year old and I'm like what the fuck are people just like accepting they're like they're just like oh yeah, that's Saw's best soldier. She's 13. He loves her. The rest of us are just kind of here and we're all like in our 20s. I'm like, what is this dynamic of people being like, not going to question, not going to question that. Sure. She's the favorite and I'm just going to. Yeah. It's so, yeah, that 
anyway so I have so many thoughts about him but I can't even um <laughs> but it is very much like he's also trying to plan his own like sect of the rebellion while also raising her but those things become like almost one in the same like he's like I am raising her to be a soldier to help this rebellion that I'm trying to start and it's like he doesn't have the separation that Bale does and obviously Bale is taking a less like military approach to it he's taking a more political approach so there are differences there as well and we can see those differences in like the kind of people that Jin and Leia like specifically the kind of leader that Leia turns out to be like she's obviously very strong and a very capable fighter but she approaches it from a more political standpoint because that's how she was raised whereas Jin was raised more of like this is a rebellion it's about fighting and like the best fighter is going to win at the end of the day and so like even though she doesn't end up joining the rebellion once she leaves Saw she still like embodies those ideals of like having to like fight to survive and like the only way you're going to make it out at the end of the day is to fight and to be victorious and so there's a lot of interesting like parallels between them but also like drastic differences as a result of like the different um aspects of the rebellion that they were being raised as a part of and that's why like I think it's so interesting to like consider like if Jin had stayed with Saw and her and Leia did end up meeting in the context of a rebel alliance one how Jin might have affected Saw staying or leaving in the rebel alliance but also to this idea that like probably Jin would have been more kind of fed into like Saw's beliefs and how that would have really highlighted their their differences is like you know Leia is yeah the diplomat and and she's the princess and, you know, she's in junior senate or whatever. And, and Jin has been being raised as a soldier since she was eight years old. Even think about how they might clash if Jin had lived. Um, and this idea that, like, I do think, I mean, clearly, like, Jin, like, kind of believes in, like, the whole thing is, like, she goes against the rebellion. She doesn't join the rebellion. The rebellion joins her. Um, and this idea that, like, yeah, like, I think that's, I still think that's a very, like, Saw thing of her to do, to be, like, I'm gonna take direct action. I do think Saw was, <laughs> Saw was in heaven being, like, yeah, get them. Don't listen to the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> like, that's, that's who I raised as the person who's gonna tell the Rebel Alliance, okay, fuck you, I'm basically gonna go do this anyway, so. I was gonna go on another trauma rant, but I feel like we've kind of covered it. <laughs> that's another square in the bigger card. <laughs> Sage goes on a rant about depictions of trauma in media uh, I mean Jin's a really like she's really good like I'm, that's maybe I will maybe I will talk about okay. it I think that um we don't see a lot of the kind of response to traumatic things that happen um in, uh to women in Star Wars we don't see a lot of Jin's representation you know uh, and it's a very valid and very like real thing to be kind of like, I can't do it. I like can't, you know, and I think that um, there are like these two responses when you have um, you go through like very violent traumas and you're like, I can either make sure this never happens to anyone again or I can just make sure this never happens to me again. Um, and I think that, you know, the latter is very much gin and um and that's something that we see so little of like you were saying about the children of the rebellion like they're all all of their motivation is seeing these horrible things that the empire has done and um being like i can't have this happen in the galaxy to everyone else like no way and then jen is more like 
I can't, I can't go through it again. I can't pick these sides anymore, you know? And um, I just love that about her character. And I do think that I wish we got to see more thing, more responses like that versus, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like a majority of people who go through trauma are not like <laughs> Ezra Bridger. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, let's go. Let's save the galaxy. <laughs> I'm like, mm, okay, good for you. Love this, love this hopefulness for you. But some people need to deal with it in their own way. Um, and it in yeah. what what is so amazing about that in respect to Jen's character is that she ends up becoming this beacon of hope for people for years to come anyways despite Mm -hmm. the fact that she shut herself like down because of the things that she went through um and she still ended up you know becoming this martyr and I think that was really cool of Star Wars to do (laughs) I feel like it is so genuinely relatable because I feel like so many of us like we want to believe that we would be the Ezra Bridger in this exactly. situation or the Leia Organa where like she sees her planet destroyed and she keeps fighting but like not like it's like I feel like so much of us I do have that response like I just need to shut down I can't do this and that's also what I find so relatable about Jin is I feel like too like so much of it is like she's so scared to trust people again because I think that it kind of becomes a thing when you lose so many people that it's like it's some it's your fault like, it's, like, especially, I think, Saul leaving her, it's, like, he didn't care about me, and, like, these people saw who I was, and then I end up losing them, and so I can't let myself open up to somebody, because what if they choose to leave me again, because they don't like who I am or what I represent, like, I mean, because in Saul's case, like, a big reason he left her was because who she was, people were starting to connect that she was someone important, she was Galen Erso's daughter, so can't show that to people anymore, because, like, they're gonna leave me if they do uh and that's like what we go back to like what's so powerful about like her relationship with Cassian is like he knows all that and he knows all of the bad things that he's done and he's seen her have like a complete breakdown over the loss of her father and the loss of Saw and he instead of leaving he sticks by her and he literally sticks by her until the very end and that was also something that I don't think Jin ever imagined having in her life was somebody who was literally going to be with her until her last moment and having like literally somebody being able to hold her and just be with her then is so it's I I love that I love that that happened because I think it's so powerful yeah for the character who was so alone for so much of her life to have not be alone in I'm literally gonna cry (laughs) um not be alone in that final moment especially when yeah I don't I don't think she ever thought that she was gonna even have someone who cared enough about her to I think it's sad too because as much as Jin is a beacon of hope I I also find it almost sort of devastating that there was no one to really mourn her personally because basically everyone else that she had connections with had died um and the rebellion like as much as Mon Mothma reflects on her is like yeah I think she's a really good person and like I think that she is like would have been a great leader like she only knew her for like a couple like they had a couple interactions um where and I also think like that's interesting to consider is like there probably were people who like personally mourned Cassian um and personally felt like his loss because like he did have those connections in the rebellion um hopefully <laughs> Callus <laughs> Callus mourned um but like 
I don't know. That's it's so devastating. And neither did probably cheered or Baze because, you know, once again, they were basically all they had. Everyone, Jetta was destroyed. That was their home. Bodhi, Bodhi was a local boy to Jetta. So anybody who knew them there and like, it's not like the empire, I doubt his friends or people he knew in the empire were mourning him. So like, you kind of have like this slate of characters who like their sacrifice means so much, but like they them personally was kind of lost because people remember them as these heroes, but anybody who would have known what they were like is gone or didn't even exist in the rebellion in the first place. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I literally I'm like listening to you talking, I'm like, wait, I'm kind of depressed right now. <laughs> yeah. And like that's like I really if my one hope for Andor would be like because I have a fear that they'll be, be like, well, Cassian, anybody that really liked Cassian was on Scarif with him and K2 was his best friend. But that's like, I I want there to be this moment of like people being like, no, and, and we're doing this for Cassian, like, because like, you know, he sacrificed himself for us and we can continue to fight on. Excited for Andor. I know. We were like, is Jin going to be an Andor? I'm like, she shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, um, I kind of um, hope not, not going to lie. Well, I really yeah, I wouldn't. This is like, I'm like, you need to read Rebel Rising because if it takes place by BBY, that's like, if we see Saw on the show, though, and it's by BBY, it is like immediately after he left her. Like, he's coming out fresh. Like, I imagine the partisans are like kind of awkward and they're like, we can't talk about the fact that we just lost. I always <laughs> wonder what's the reaction of that. Like, because he just kind of left her on that planet and there was like one other partisan that was there, but then he was like, it's Kato. That's maybe Mike Lepshido is Kato from the Rebel Rising novel. Hope to see you in, in and or King. Um, but uh, I don't know what the partisans were like. What, what did they do? They were like, didn't you have a kid? Wasn't there like, a, like didn't, didn't you have somebody you're calling your daughter? Like what happened? Like did he tell them? She's like, oh, he just went away. Or like, were they just too afraid to even like ask? Did he just say that she died? Like, I that's what I was gonna say is like, he, I don't know. I feel like he'd probably be like, she died. And then they're like, (laughs) your like literal daughter died. (laughs) You could. And I guess like, yeah. But you guys like, know that scene. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you guys know that scene in Thrawn Treason. <laughs> or no, it ain't in Alliances. <laughs> Where Pharaoh's like, hey, what happened to Eli? And Thrawn is like, don't talk to me ever again. <laughs> that is that was Saw's reaction it's to the part of Don't talk to me ever again. Yeah, with that. <laughs> I mean he told like one person because that one person like comes to like track her down because he like wants to know that she's still alive which also implies that actually maybe Saw just thought she died <laughs> that's also interesting is like maybe Saw wasn't lying he but Jin also that's still the saddest fucking thing is Jin <laughs> yeah thinks that he died and that's why he didn't come back for her and then she thinks that he's the one who took her out of the prison and is like confused and keeps like being confused when like Mon Mothma and like the other rebels are talking to her. She's like, where's Saw? That's also that that fucking the Rogue, the Rogue One panel where comic panel where it shows Leia. And I'm like, the thing is, if if that happened, which it can't, there's so many reasons why it can't. But I'm like, wouldn't Bale the next time he saw Saw be like, hey, where's that kid you were taking care of? <laughs> like Bale would be like, hey, like as a father to father, where's where's your where's your child? Okay, but I'm sorry, the idea of, like, 
like Bale and Saw setting up Jin and Leia on like play dates, and then like all of a sudden Jin is just not there anymore, and Bale's like, "What happened to your kid?" Once again, died. <laughs> that's that's no. actually so no, but oh my god, wait, how devastating is it to imagine that like that did happen, and Leia was led to believe that like you know he says he died, and then Leia is like not involved, and she finds out after the fact that Jin was on Scarif and she was the one who stole the Death Star plan so not only was she alive this whole time but then she died so sad everything everything in Star Wars is so upsetting all the time (laughs) Jen Arso is so I know when people I don't like to do the trauma comparing thing but I do whenever people are like who had like the rough life I never see anybody mention Jen Arso and I'm like girl this she was in the, the in the trenches like struggling and then she was 21 and she died imagining i feel like not that i didn't love lefty jen's like portrayal of jen urso amazing but also she does not look 21 years old no i do think if they would just use actors that were the same ages as the characters they the impact would have been a lot different no, I definitely, I definitely agree. Like, and I think it's, I mean, it, it's the same thing with like Cassian and Bodhi as well is because they're played by actors in their forties, but you're telling us that they're 21. And when you actually like look at how young, like Felicity looked at 21 or how young Cassian or um, Diego looked at like 25, like it's like, oh shit. And like, that was the point they were trying to make is that like, you know, part of the devastation here is because they're so young and because they could have done so much more, but like, yeah, it doesn't lose a little bit of its impact when you're like looking at a, a, a 30 year old and you're like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, yes. It's also just the fact that like so many characters in Star Wars are really young. Like, like mm-hmm. the first protagonist we have is Luke, who's literally 19 years old, that people are like, oh, all these characters that are like, in their teens and stuff are like so young but I'm like okay 21 is also not that old though like no it's really not you're like like you're an adult but not really like you're still very much just starting out as an adult Star Wars loves a young protagonist which like I I understand why but it is like interesting that like they choose that and then like too yeah it leaves up so much or like where like Luke and Leia like the war ends and you're like oh you guys are like in your 20s yeah (laughs) you're like you did all of this but like now you're like 23 I do that's it is like an issue with Star Wars they do have such young like people in these like very violent wars going on and then they kind of do treat a lot of this is not a lot to do with Jen because we've already talked about her trauma response and but like A lot of it is just like, oh, okay, that wasn't very, that didn't seem like how a 19 year old would react to that, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like, I'm so sorry, I always come back to it, Leia getting her entire planet blown up, she's 19, she's younger than me, no, I'm sorry, she just, what, are you kidding, I was so mad, no, those are the things, it's like, this is not like if you have you need when you're writing something you need to pay attention to the ages of the characters mm-hmm. um and especially when you're portraying it on screen you need to have um, an actor who is closer in age to that character or else it's not going to come across the same we just need to let 
Star Wars characters cry. That's maybe that's also why I love Jin is like they really do just allow her to like break down and cry, which is something that they don't allow. I think especially the the female characters to do. Like you're saying, Leia, like she loses her parents and her entire planet. And she's comforting Luke because he lost this old man that he met five days ago. What, no, literally. What is happening? George Lucas, I have something to say to you. <laughs> no, but no, exactly. I completely agree. And I do love that scene where Jin is actually just grieving. She's mm-hmm. just grieving like a human being. Like um, Cassian has to like force her up and to go. Yeah. Like she's not like comprehending what is happening she can't even comprehend that the planet is being blown up because like she's so stuck in like this emotional moment and then she's like having to say goodbye to saw after like immediately losing her and then she's on the ship and you know she's crying and having this moment and like yeah like I really appreciate that they let her process that and like I don't like going back to like even another person you cover like I would have loved to maybe see like Bo-Katan or even being able to grieve I know that she I know that she is stoic and that's kind of just part of her character, but like she's, her sister died and then her planet was taken. Like that's like something that's so emotional and like, which she just doesn't really get to like grieve. And I think that's, that does a, almost a disservice to these characters. And, and the, also this ideal of like, I think in some cases of like, yeah, a strong female character doesn't cry. They don't process that. And I'm like, no, they should. Like, that's what always this is off track, but like it's the same way that I really love like Katniss and Mockingjay Part One. How we see her handling everything that has happened to her very emotionally to the point where like she's like, she you just very plainly see her PTSD. And people were like, "That's annoying." She's she's just crying all the time. That's annoying. I'm like, okay, well, we'll throw you in to fight to the death and see how you fucking handle it. Like this is like yeah, my literal jokers. <laughs> I'm like, I will not. I will not talk about the Hunger Games. But no, like, I you're think so maybe we right. should talk like, about the Hunger Games. <laughs> like, <laughs> we definitely about... should, but I could be here for, like, 12 this is, hours. <laughs> this is, I feel like now we're really, this is the panel that represents the Katniss Everdeen to Jyn Erso stand pipeline. You're if so you were, right. If, if you were a Hunger Games girly, you are a Rogue One girly now. And so this is true. the three of us are living proof of this. this is so true <laughs> like if you if you were a Jenner so if you love Katniss Everdeen Jenner so is your woman now and like and it is because they do have a lot of similarities including I guess now like the fact that they were able to grieve their trauma but like yeah they're no exactly this is another life. like casting people to look the age of the characters Katniss Everdeen is 16 years old in the Hunger Games and like this is not like slander on any like acting performance but like it, no like the emotional impact of the book is the fact that it's like holy shit this is like a 16 17 year old no I I completely agree and I also think that you know something of going back to Star Wars you know these women who were again women go through a disproportionate amount of trauma in Star Wars. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna take criticism on that one. Um, So valid. I, um, and then we don't see a lot of the grieving process of not even just the people that they've lost, but of parts of themselves that they've lost and parts of themselves that they've had to sacrifice because of the ongoing war in the galaxy, no matter what era we're in, Um, which is why I love the last few episodes of Rebels with Harris and Dula, 
um yes. don't like that she had to go through that but I really uh not gonna go on a rebel's rant not gonna go on a rebel's rant but she did um have a really good you know portrayal of someone who is grieving the loss of someone that they love um and you know I do think that we do need there okay my opinion here I think that a lot of times when people are writing these strong female characters, they're like, oh, if we have them show too much emotion, that they're they're not going to be considered a strong female character anymore. So mm-hmm. we can't have them rage. We can't have them have these emotional outbursts. You can be someone who is so strong and incredible and also raging. And if Kylo Ren can do it, if Kylo Ren can literally tear apart, I don't even. I was literally about of, to say, if Kylo Ren gets to like go destroy that elevator after he killed his own father, literally. Why? Like, I can't be slandering well, Ben Solo every week on this podcast. And it's the same like thing you're saying too. It's like it's like, and I feel like maybe some of it is like. I wonder if these writers are also worried because like of how often people put down teenage girls when they show emotion. That right. like when you're considering that most of the Star Wars women are 21 and under that like they're afraid to let them show to as if that invalidates them but like no and you know what teenage girls want to see teenage girls want to see women and characters who react to situations like they would they want to see you know them going you know that we I find characters relatable when they not that they experience trauma like when they react to things how I would I'd fucking cry if I was shown a message from my father after 15 years of not hearing his voice like that's a lot I that's what makes like and like to to give women like the representation it's like yeah like women are like really multifaceted and like I feel yeah it gets flattened so down to like well a strong like a strong female character would show that emotion she she remains stoic and it's like no that's bullshit like oh you can be a strong woman and also like yeah be sad and like have moments of like a breakdown because most of us are it's almost like letting it's people express like- their trauma is helpful <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you so much for listening to fulcrum transmissions please feel free to send us questions you can dm them to us on twitter instagram or tiktok once again thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode